Hello and welcome to another exciting, at least I hope it is exciting, edition of Fake News Friday on this Friday, November 18th. Just uh, how many weeks until Christmas now? I don't want to get people too nervous. I think we're five Fake News Fridays away from Christmas, so take from that what you will. Uh, hopefully you can make it to the end of the episode before you rush out to the toy store to uh, buy whatever you need. But it's been a bit of a busy week. The Public Order Emergency Commission has concluded. We've had uh, foreign junkets. It's a go-go for Justin Trudeau, but uh, how was the week in your view, Harrison? Another one for the records? Well, the problem with the Public Order Emergency Commission, Andrew, the Emergencies Act inquiry, is that when there's not a good, exciting witness, it really is boring to get through. It's very repetitive, very slow. But then when Justin Trudeau gets humiliated by Xi Jinping, the entire world erupts, the story dominates headlines, and basically it has, it has given us plenty of fodder for Fake News Friday, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to getting into some of the reactions, the comparisons between Canadian headlines, international headlines. And yeah, I mean, when you see that, it just, it, it, it kind of reminds you exactly where Canada is in the pecking order, and frankly, how, how the rest of the world looks at Canada. It's, it's quite disappointing, but for us at least, it gives us something fun to talk about. I was just like asking, how are you? And you just went into like this like grand treatise on Canada and the world, which is good. We're well, getting down to, to brass to tacks it. here. <laughs> <laughs> I was, no, it's great. I was, I was about to give you the sir, this is a Wendy's, but I actually liked what you had to say. So I, uh, I rolled with it here. Uh, let's get right into it, though, because the, the big news this week was, of course, the uh, lecture if you will, perhaps the dressing down, depending on how you refer to it, of Justin Trudeau by Chairman Xi Jinping. Everything we discuss is then leaked to the paper, that's not appropriate. And that's not all the way the conversation was conducted. If there is if there is sincerity on your part, free and open and frank dialogue, and that is what we will continue to have, we will continue to look at the work constructively together. But there will be things we will disagree on, and we will have to continue. Let's create the conditions first. A little bit of an awkward one. They seem to be at one of those events where you're just supposed to be glad-handing, shaking hands, saying, oh, have you tried this shrimp yet? Oh, that lobster roll was great. And instead, Chairman Xi is telling Trudeau that he doesn't like the fact that news was leaked of what they discussed in their meeting. Now, so far as I can tell, what he's referring to is the call summary that the Prime Minister's office sends out after pretty much every bilateral conversation. So I, I don't know if he's talking about anything else beyond that that I haven't seen. But the reality is this is not exactly a stellar direction diplomatically between two countries. Now, I am not going to, as I said on my show yesterday, take Chairman Xi's side just to own the libs. I, I think that uh, Canada should be taking a tougher position on China and should be getting under their skin. But what's bugged me here is the fact that Chairman Xi is doing this because he sees a weakness in Canada. And I don't think Canada is doing anything to push back against this. And I, I just want to give you a sense, first off, of how the media has covered this. Because in Canada, 
Canada, this has played very differently than it has in media elsewhere. Uh, CTV has a headline, Berated and Agitated, What's Being Said? about Trudeau's G20 exchange with Chinese President Xi. And they say, oh, Xi expressed his displeasure with Trudeau over details of what the pair discussed in a brief meeting this week being leaked. And then you also have the CNN version of it, which I find quite interesting. China's Xi Jinping lectures Justin Trudeau over alleged leaks. So a little bit more of a tougher position on this from the international press. Well, this is exactly what you get, Andrew, when you pay off the media. What you've, what you've kind of got here is a bit of a mirroring act. You've got Canadian legacy media who are essentially paid off by Justin Trudeau and, and puff Justin Trudeau up as though he's some great world leader doing some sort of mirroring act of their, Chine of their Chinese counterparts, the Chinese uh, propaganda outlets. And I just find that funny because on Ratioed, we discussed some of the differences between international headlines and Canadian headlines. And I also, I made this point that whenever there's a China-related story, it's always fun to go and check out what the Chinese propaganda outlets are saying. What is what is the South China Morning Post saying about it? What is the Global Times saying about it? And and yeah, it's I mean, basically, it's exactly that. It's it's this idea that we need to basically just pretend as though Justin Trudeau is this is a strong world leader, no matter what the rest of the world is saying, no matter what the English press and the, and the American press are saying about Justin Trudeau, we have to make sure that Justin Trudeau looks like a strong leader in an, in an interaction, which clearly makes him look very weak. I mean, when I first saw it, I have to say my first interaction was, you kind of see Xi Jinping not even really, really looking at Trudeau in the eyes, and you see Justin Trudeau kind of standing there. But then, then when you watch it again, you watch it a few more times, you, you really see that there's one man in charge and one man basically taking all the heat. And Justin Trudeau is doing that weird finger-holding posture, bowing his head to Xi Jinping. And then at the end, Xi Jinping gives him like the handshake to say, get lost, get out of here. And Justin Trudeau scurries off away into the bathroom. I mean, the look couldn't be worse. It really didn't look didn't look good on Justin Trudeau's part. And I have to say, there was one there was one headline that I read from the UK, from the Mirror, that I just thought really, really kind of paints the picture of the difference between Canadian legacy media, legacy media that is bought off by Trudeau to basically propagandize on his behalf, and then the rest of the world. This is the way the Mirror wrote it. Xi Jinping humiliates Justin Trudeau in devastating public dressing down. So absolutely, the, 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 the contrast couldn't be clearer, Andrew. This is what you get when you pay off the media. You get puffed up headlines no matter what happens, no matter how bad you look on camera. Yeah, I mean, the one that really annoyed me was the Toronto Star op-ed. Xi Jinping's scolding shows that Justin Trudeau is doing his job. So he's actually the real winner of this. Now, that was written by Susan Delacourt, who I, I disagree with on a lot politically, but I, I always have enjoyed my chats with Susan. She's a, a lovely woman. I, I don't think she's... I can't agree with her conclusion on this one because the whole point of if you are going to get under China's skin is that there's a difference between doing it in a way that is constructive and doing it in a way that's not. I don't think he was getting under China's skin in any meaningful way. I think he was like a little gnat that uh, Xi Jinping wanted to swat away. And that, I think, is not exactly putting Canada on strong footing when they're going toe-to-toe -to -toe and taking on the Politburo. And the reason I think this is quite important for people to pay attention to here is because whenever there is like a G20 summit... 
uh, you see kind of the battle lines be redrawn a little bit. And then when you're at UN summits, all of a sudden the tough talk on China goes to the back burner because, oh, well, there are partners in climate. And it was like uh, John Kerry shaking Maduro's hand at the Sharm El Sheikh at COP27 and Sharm El Sheikh. Yeah, this guy was like, uh, you know, the grand dictator that we don't recognize as the leader. But, oh, if he says he wants to drop CO2 emissions, yeah, welcome aboard, sir. Good to see you. And I think that's the problem is that Justin Trudeau just wants to be in the club internationally. And I don't think he's doing a very good job at uh, holding China to account. And it's not even like his appeasement has done all that much for us. No, not at all. And there's, there is something to be said about the fact that at this point, if you're a Canadian leader and you're not standing up for Canada and you're not making it very clear that the, the way that China is engaging in this country, the way that they're meddling, they're, they're putting spies in Canadian energy companies like at Hydro-Quebec, where they're funding 11 candidates in our elections and, and trying to interfere in our, in our government. You have to stand up to that. You have to draw a line and say, enough is enough. But then again, you don't want to be caught out being embarrassed and humiliated. It's like the old saying, Andrew, never meet your heroes, because sometimes you might get exposed to it. But in this case, Justin Trudeau met his hero, and in fact, he was humiliated and ashamed by Xi Jinping. Yep, from hero to zero. <laughs> I'll keep my day job. Never mind. <laughs> there we go. But Andrew, another thing that's worth mentioning is the fact that Xi Jinping has sort of stepped out of character at this G20. Xi Jinping has been holding meetings with a bunch of these world leaders. He's, of course, he did a big meeting with Joe Biden. He met with Emmanuel Macron. I think he met with, with Rishi Sunak as well. But interestingly, he didn't offer that same meeting to Canada. We know that the Canada-China relations are pretty bad right now. But he did, however, have time to meet with the Argentinian president. I made the point that the fact is, if Justin Trudeau can't get a meeting with Xi Jinping, but Xi Jinping wants to meet with the Argentinian president, that speaks volumes about where Canada is right now and the way the world sees Canada. And yeah, I mean, if you look, look, just look at that interaction... Xi Jinping is looking down at Justin Trudeau, wanting to get out of the conversation because it's not even worth his time. But at the same point, the point does stand that if Justin Trudeau is not standing up to China, if Justin Trudeau is not saying enough is enough, this is completely unacceptable, then in a way he really isn't doing his job. But there's ways to do it and there's ways not to do it. And I think we basically saw exactly how not to do it. And it, it's pretty embarrassing for Justin Trudeau, I have to say. The one the one thing, just before we move on from this, that I found amusing, there was a, a fair bit of like Zapruder-like analysis on this and how Justin Trudeau started talking uh, as the translator hadn't even translated what uh, Xi had said. Now, it's possible that Justin Trudeau speaks Mandarin. I have no evidence of this. Uh, so I'm going to assume, though, he didn't know what the, what had, was the guy had said. And he just like went right to talking points anyway. That was the, that was the great thing. So it's like he, he's just like, no matter what, he says the talking points are going to be the same so might as well just cut out the translation and uh, speak only in talking points it'll be a lot more efficient uh, let's move on here uh, to another uh, development on the global scene this past week as I mentioned there was the uh, junket in Cambodia then there was the uh, G20 in Bali so lots happening this week and then of course we had news on the Ukraine front but I want to talk about the G20 takeaway here which if you ask CTV, all of the 20 most powerful world leaders got together. People like Chairman Xi, people like Chancellor Olaf Scholz, people like Rishi Sunak, the uh, president of the European Commission. All of these people with massive economies, they got together. And at the end of it, what did they do? They ended the summit with pledges aligned with the Trudeau government's agenda. Hmm... 
Maybe we've been getting it all wrong. Maybe it's not the UN pulling the strings. It's not Klaus Schwab pulling the strings. Maybe Justin Trudeau is the puppet master behind the new world order. Do, do you buy into this? That all of these people, that they magically came around to Justin Trudeau's position by the end of this meeting? Yes, after Justin Trudeau's humiliation from Xi Jinping, all these world leaders, Andrew, they wanted to Including make... Including Xi Jinping, by the way. Exactly, He's one of the G20. Exactly. So, yes, Xi Jinping has aligned China with Canada and Justin Trudeau's mission because they all say to themselves, now what is Justin doing? We have to make sure that the sun we all orbit around, Justin Trudeau, whatever he's doing, we, we better not be out of step with the great powerful Canada. We all know that's exactly what needs to be done. Now, very conspicuously, Andrew, this article from the CTV came out right after the world was laughing at Justin Trudeau. The world was dunking on Justin Trudeau for that embarrassing performance. It's almost as if, Andrew, Justin Trudeau's ego was so badly hurt, so badly damaged by being embarrassed in front of the world that the legacy media needed to puff him up a little bit, give him, give him a little victory, something that he can take home to Canada and say, look, guys, the rest of the world, they're orbiting around Canada. They, they want to make sure they're in line with us. And the best part about this is, you read the article, there's no mention about that at all. They just say that, the rest of the world are talking about, are basically talking about the same thing Justin Trudeau is talking about, not aligning their agendas with Justin Trudeau. It's, it's classic, classic Canadian legacy media, and it 100% deserves a spot on the show. No, yeah, this is like, uh, you know, I got a coffee this morning, and around the world, people have drank Andrew Lawton's chosen breakfast beverage for the morning. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly influential. I have coffee, everyone else does. It's like the epitome of just seeing where everyone's going so you can like get in front of them to lead them. Yeah, and also when you look at the article, what's hilarious about it is you, you read the article, you open it up, you see the headline, you think, okay, well, maybe there's something, maybe we've got this all wrong, like you said. And then the very top video in the article is the video of, G of Xi Jinping dressing down Justin Trudeau. Like they, they, have, they have that right, at, right below the headline, which says basically the, the Justin Trudeau is the sun that the rest of the world orbits around. And you look at it, again, you look at the article, there's not one mention, Andrew, of the fact that the rest of the world, you know, has Rishi Sunak pledged to be just like Canada, has, has Emmanuel Macron pledged to be just like Canada. No, in fact, all they're talking about is that the Ukraine... Uh, Ukraine, Poland, Russia missile uh, conversation. That's basically all that all that this is about. And it's so obvious. They said, look, we can't allow our dear leader to be hit so badly, to be hurt, to be hurt so bad after his horrible performance at the G20. We have to give him something to uh, to take home. We have to give him something to write home about about his victory. And uh, pretty pathetic, I have to say. Yeah, it reminds me of that great story in Bloomberg around the time of one of the G7s. I can't remember if it was two years ago or so, when uh, Justin Trudeau's uh, staffers had been like going around telling everyone that uh, with Angela Merkel resigning, Justin Trudeau is going to be the new dean of the G7. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're, we're good, but thank you. So, uh, But on the G20, he's managed apparently to uh, bring the whole thing into it. And he has also started a brewing buddy comedy style bromance with the new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Rishi Sunak. Now, uh, the two of them have apparently been hitting it off. There was this photo of them having a, a nice little dinner in a casual eatery. And then there was this video where the two of them expressed their support to the Ukrainian President, Volodymyr Zelensky. Prime Minister Trudeau, Prime Minister Sunak, President Zelensky, please go ahead, you're online. Hello, Volodymyr. It's Rishi and Justin. I really wanted you to hear from us as friends. We absolutely know how difficult yesterday was. It was horrific for you and your country. And we have called it out 
in the session that we've just had uh, and on the media here this morning, and we made that point loud and clear uh, to, the, to everyone who was here that what your country had to live through yesterday was unacceptable and represented yet more barbarity from the Russians. We stood united in condemning it. Rishi and I really wanted to, to reach out to reassure you, uh, to show you we're standing with you, uh, and to say we're going we're gonna, to uh, figure out this step-by-step uh, -step altogether. Thank you, Vladimir. Talk to you soon. Now, I just before we get into the just how cringeworthy that was, let me say how bizarre I find it that they're sharing this like conversation they took place uh, that took place between them and Zelensky and not heard anywhere is Zelensky. So it's like they could just be talking into a voice memo on their phone for all I know. Well, it wouldn't be that surprising, right, Andrew, if the drama teacher was just making it all up, if it was all just a big skit. But I got to say, the best part about that is the accent that Justin Trudeau puts on the, the Ukrainian accent when he says, Hello, Vladimir. It's Rishi and Justin. <laughs> and then and then, and then they and then it's like one of those bad editing jobs. Like when you've got like a, a, a bad intern trying to put together a quick video for, for their boss, like a, an, a quickly edited jump cut full video where they basically say, we're here to talk to you. And then they cut in as friends and then they cut back. They, they had to cut the part as friends in there. It's from start to finish. It is an absolute joke. I wrote on Twitter, how is this actually real? And again, this has to get through enough people for it to be put out and published by 10 Downing Street, the official UK Prime Minister uh, Twitter account as, as some sort of video to say, look at these two strong world leaders talking to Vladimir Zelensky, using a fake accent to talk to Vladimir Zelensky. But don't make sure you don't hear anything that Zelensky has to say. There's not like, oh, thanks for calling, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for calling, friends. None of that. Just the, just the absolute cringe fest. You, you need to start doing the Trudeau accent so you don't call him Vladimir. It's Volodymyr. Volodymyr. Vol Volodymyr. Zelensky. Yeah. As friends. <laughs> We're your friends. And that, by the way, that was not me making fun of Volodymyr Zelensky's accent. That was me making fun of the fake uh, Justin Trudeau accent. Just so no one like accuses me of uh, Ukrainophobia or anything like that. No, no, of course uh, not. Of course not. Let's uh, do, do we want to end on our lighter note? I'm trying to remember what else we had going on today. Let's do let's do the POEC, the uh, the Toronto Star headline for what we're missing from the Public Order Emergency Commission. You've heard a lot, but we're missing something really key, Andrew, in the Emergencies Act Committee. And apparently from the Toronto Star, what we're missing from the Emergencies Act Committee is the fact that racism and hatred are not being discussed as threats to national security. Interesting. So there's an article here by, written by Amira El-Gawabi, and she's a columnist at the Toronto Star. And in it, she basically says that, although we just heard from evidence at the commission that CSIS has told the, told the cabinet that there was no threat to national security under section two of the CSIS Act. Pretty key there is that's one of the central requirements for the government to invoke the Emergencies Act, but no security threat, no national security threat we hear from CSIS. But then again, perhaps as Amira El-Gawabi writes, there's a, different, there's a different interpretation for what a national security threat is. And for her, the fact that there was not any discussion of racism and hate indicates that actually there was a national security threat, Andrew. So we've got it all wrong. The Emergencies Act must be invoked if we think that racism and hate are taking place. It is clearly a threat to national security. 
Yeah, the big line here is perhaps we have different interpretations of what security means and for who it's supposed to be for. I believe she means to say for whom it's supposed to be, or perhaps if you want to play fast and loose with grammar, whom it's supposed to be for. Either way, uh, the line is that she is effectively experiencing national security differently than we are. So take from that what you will. I, listen, I think racism is atrocious. I think anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-black racism. I think any form of bigotry is wrong. And I don't think that we should go down this road in society of equating morally wrong with illegal and trying to criminalize wrong think, which is what a lot of people who do not fundamentally support free speech are trying to do here. The fact that people may have had, and by the way, I, I dispute wholeheartedly her characterization of these things as ubiquitous in the convoy. But even if there were a few people that had uh, very unpleasant or unsavory views about race, that does not equate to a national emergency in any way whatsoever, legal or otherwise. No, and just could it be possible, could it be possible here that the Toronto Star is pushing this message and actually there wasn't any real evidence of, 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 of hatred and racism, but it's just someone's, again, it's just someone's interpretation. It's not like the Toronto Star has ever gotten anything wrong about the convoy before, right? It's just exactly like you said, Andrew, it's not a national security threat. We can't just say that because of this, because someone interprets it differently, because someone has a different interpretation of national security, well, then the, the Emergencies Act was justified. Basically, quashing a peaceful, lawful protest was justified. I mean, again, it's just classic, classic Toronto Star. They're reaching here because, as we've seen from the Emergencies Act Commission, every single justification that the government has used for the Emergencies Act has been whittled down to nothing but just basically hearsay. There's every time a law enforcement officer has come up to testify, the main legs for the argument for the government to invoke the Emergencies Act get knocked out from under them every single time. So now we're reaching to the point where we have to reach so far, Andrew, that actually it was the racism that was alleged to have taken place, which again, we don't have really much evidence for other than the, 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 the very brief sighting of the swastika and the Confederate flag, which still to this day, I have to say, have not been fully investigated. Other than, other than that, there's been really no no evidence to prove that this was what it was. It's just someone's someone's interpretation of it when they're when they feel as though the entire justification is slipping away from them. Classic from the Toronto Star. Yeah, very much so. And this actually does segue into the lighter story we wanted to end on, because if you really want to tackle racism, if you really want to tackle a lack of inclusivity, you have to go right to the source of this. And I'm talking, of course, about crosswords. Uh, am I reading this right? Crossword puzzles are everywhere, but how inclusive are the bylines and clues? And let's play a game I like to call Guess the Canadian Media Outlet. <laughs> CBC, bingo. It was kind of a toss-up between them and the Toronto Star, but CBC has taken aim at the crossword because there is a lack of inclusion. Now, I am the in-house crossword expert for True North. I've, I mean, no one assigned me this title. I've just sort of claimed it. So I apologize to any of my colleagues if they're as obsessed with crosswords as I am. I do the New York Times. I occasionally do the Times of London. I'm not great at the cryptics, but I try. Absolutely love crosswords. I even at one point submitted one to the New York Times. They didn't publish it, but I tried. So I like crosswords, and I have never once while I've done a crossword been struggling with the lack of inclusivity, but apparently it's been an issue that's been going on for quite some time. As one crossword designer says, 
when you only have puzzles that represent a certain kind of topic or are only of interest to straight white men, a lot of people won't see themselves reflected in the grid. I think crosswords are only of interest to straight white men because other people have lives. We're boring. Let us have our crosswords for crying out loud. No, no, Andrew, you can't get it. But you see, that's exactly why the crosswords aren't inclusive. It's because people like you are the ones that are only doing them. We need to open it up. We need to make it more inclusive for the rest of uh, the rest of society. I just find this so, so hilarious. It was, I don't do crosswords, I have to say. I have a life, uh, but... <laughs> I, when I did read this, I thought to myself... Stone well, cold. <laughs> when, when I did read this, I thought to myself, well, again, this, this, might, this might be in our, in our yearly, uh, yearly Fake News Friday award show, Andrew. Which, speaking of, we're getting close to Christmas. You hinted at it at the top. We are going to have to do some sort of award show. And uh, we're going to be highlighting the very best of the year in fake news. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this makes it into the list. This is what, this is what, the, uh, this is what Deborah Rainwright writes in the CBC article, or is quoted as saying in the CBC article, very hard-hitting journalism, real, real important stuff from the CBC. This is what we pay them for. She writes, someone decides what words get in, what's part of the clues, and in doing that, they're deciding what should be common knowledge for every one of us, Andrew. Andrew, that's why you can't be the one, you can't be the one writing these crosswords. You can't be submitting them. And in fact, it's probably time that you, you, you step back and let others have their go at the crosswords. That's really what's going on. We need to change the target market. And then we'll open it all up to the rest of, rest of society. I, I should say, by the way, this wasn't just the CBC News article. CBC actually ran a documentary a couple of weeks ago about this called Across and Down, which is a great title. But they found that women, indigenous, black and queer identifying people have been almost invisible in crossword puzzles. So I, here's the thing. I, I've, I've already admitted that I have no life. I do the crosswords for the New York Times fairly religiously. But the interesting thing is the New York Times has a crossword blog every day that comes out that has some commentary on the crosswords. And every now and then I'll, I'll read that if, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the theme or whatever. If you want to have a very good time, and I'm playing fast and loose with good end time, uh, you can see the comments on this. And you get oftentimes these little like woke fights when people don't like that a certain word was said or they don't like that a certain word was used. Like one time the answer to the crossword clue was non PC, as in not politically correct. And everyone was like, why are we vilifying political correctness? Political correctness is great. There was another time where it was 45th president and the answer was Trump. And so I was like, why do I have to see that name in my crossword? Like, so people are getting triggered by crosswords. So maybe I am just being insensitive. So Andrew, it's, this is, this just, I've just thought of this now. Maybe if the CBC, the Globe and Mail, New York Times, they all want to shift woke, they're going to open up the market for new new crosswords that can be made. In fact, we can make a true north crossword that is just chock full of politically incorrect terms, conservative terms, and just designed exclusively for people who are, you know, being being uh, you know, being left behind by the changing world of crosswords. Who knew that there was a whole world, Andrew? I didn't know there were blog posts, documentaries, and whole, you know, philosophical debates about what gets put into crosswords. Fascinating. You got to sharpen that pencil and get to it, Harrison. <laughs> this has been a, another edition of Fake News Friday. You can catch uh, Harrison Faulkner on Ratioed every week, and you can catch me on the uncreatively titled Andrew Lawton Show. And I do hope you do both. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.